our scripture reading for today is going to come um, from, uh, here it is, uh, Luke chapter 1. And he actually added some verses here, so I'm going to read these as well. Uh, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 13. And then we'll get to the part on your uh, sheet there. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from the mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold... You will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And then here's verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she proclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of the Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Russell. Good morning, family. How y'all doing today? All right. It's a blessing to be here with you all today. And uh, for those of you that are joining us online, we're so glad that you uh, clicked in and thought it not robbery to spend some uh, moments here with us. And everybody that made it out in person, it's good to see your shining faces as we enter into Christmas and our last week of the Advent season. Y'all, we made it. Four-week journey. We in here like swimwear. All right, let's pray real quick, and then we'll jump into our text for the day. Father, this is your moment. This is your space. This is your time. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and the good news that he has come for us. Lord, I pray right now that you word my mouth, uh, and I pray that this all be for your glory, and I pray that you open up our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so for the past few weeks of Advent, we have covered the themes of peace, hope, and love. And we've had some phenomenal teachings on these topics. And this week, we're going to continue on in that journey. And our last week, our last theme for this month is the subject of joy. And uh, when we consider why it might be difficult for someone to experience joy, it's likely that it stems from some lack of or disruption to those other three themes, the peace, the hope, or their love. I know it can be true for many of us, even right now, as anxiety is still in the air about this Omicron variant, and we're missing loved ones or thinking of those that may have been uh, passed on, or we're grieving the love that we wish we were able to experience, or maybe you're just burnt down and exhausted and tired, but many are the possibilities for the reasons why uh, we might be experiencing a disruption to that joy 
or that peace or that hope or that love. Um, and the scriptures, it describes a story that captures this thought pretty well. So you just heard about a man named Zechariah. This guy was a priest in the temple, and he was super elderly, and so was his wife Elizabeth, and they weren't able to have any children, and that was a reality that was a source of pain for them that they carried. In many ways, it disrupted their peace and hope as they longed for children to love, but one day something incredible happens. God sends the angel Gabriel to Zechariah and tells him, hey, you're going to have a son. And you're going to name that son John. And we know him as John the Baptist, the one that uh, later on went to preach that Jesus was coming to save the world. Zechariah literally could not believe what he was hearing. He doubted that angel, and the result was that he couldn't speak until John was born. Now, what we didn't get to spend some time on in the text today was that right after that, something incredible happens when God sends that same angel Gabriel to a 14-year-old girl named Mary. She's a virgin, and she's pledged to be married to Joseph, and this angel tells her that she's going to have a son, Jesus, who would be the son of God. Mary responds with submission to the promise of God as a humble servant. And that's where we find ourselves here in verse 39 in the text. Gabriel tells Mary that her relative Elizabeth was also going to have a child. And Mary, excited and filled with joy, sets up, jumps up, and runs out to Judea to meet up with Elizabeth. Now, if Mary is anything like some of the women in my family, she probably busts up in the house like, girl, let me tell you, right? All excited, ready to spill all the tea, all the news, all the information. And she goes on and says that, uh, you know, I'm having this baby and it's da -da 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 -da, right? And all this joy just comes spilling out. And while I don't think it quite happened exactly like that, uh, regardless of what actually happened, we know that Mary's words to Elizabeth caused the child in her womb to leap in her belly for joy. We have two women, two gospel miracles, and two valid reasons for joy in their family. So reading this caused me to ask a personal question of myself, like, okay, why do I have joy in this season? As I reflect on the year 2021, it was a blessing, like really, really a blessing. I, I couldn't ask for more. Uh, in August, I got engaged to the lovely Rachel. Um, I graduated, yeah, we praise God for that, amen. Uh, I graduated in May, I turned 30 in July, I joined reunion in August, got married to Rachel in November, and started a new job in December. God is good. <laughs> God has really, really been good to me. So certainly this is a lot to be joyful about. And um, when I ask myself, why do I have joy? As great as those things are, baby, I love you. I probably like, I'm not saying no shame. But as great as those things are, those aren't the reason why I have joy in this season. Like the deep, deep reason why I have joy brought me back to 23 years ago as a seven-year-old boy. I was living a life of bondage and brokenness. For the majority of my life, I felt so unlovable, so worthless, tainted, and defected. As a child, I experienced a diverse palette of trauma, physical, mental, sexual, emotional, and it just stacked up. And for the majority of my life, I carried that brokenness and that pain in secret to myself. And I lived in this world feeling unsafe, unheard, and unlovable. My life looked so perfect and privileged on the outside, and honestly, on the inside, it was an internal hell. Complete brokenness. 
And I spent the rest of those years hoping to find acceptance in others, hoping that I would feel that aspect of love and joy. I learned how to be an expert wall builder so that no one would get close enough to be able to hurt me. And I lived my life in survival mode. I found comfort zones in uh, sex and alcohol, drugs and partying, because those things brought me an ecstasy that I thought was joy, only to find out that that wasn't joy at all. Until one day, while worshiping in a young adult service, uh, the understanding that God was with me hit me so deeply. I was aware of God's love for me. I was aware of how broken I was and how desperately I needed Jesus as my Savior. I was aware in a unique way, in a subtle turn of events, in that worship experience, that the Savior had shown up for me. The Holy Spirit grabbed hold of me, and I had this deep sense of inner healing deep down within my soul. There's really no actual way to put it into words and describe it, but the more I returned to that place in worship, the more I would release the hurt, the pain, and I would hear God's voice, receive God's love, and experience God's redeeming power. My life was transforming. I had peace. I had love. I had hope. And finally, finally, I had joy. It was uncontainable, and I promised to never contain it for anyone or anything. The joy that I had and the power of God that I experienced was incredible. My friends, my joy comes from the fact that circumstances and struggles cannot change the length or the depth of God's love for me. My joy, my soul's leaping, is a natural response and expression to an encounter with the good news of Jesus Christ. Here in the text, we observe that Elizabeth's baby leaped for joy when she heard Mary's greeting. It's a full, robust expression of joy that is a direct reaction to an encounter with Jesus. Even the slightest, most indirect engagement with the Messiah can initiate something so explosive deep down on the inside of us. When Mary and Elizabeth got together, there was certainly a lot to be joyful of. We have two miraculous pregnancies, or it could be the fact that they hadn't seen each other in a while. They lived about 80 to 100 miles apart with no 456 train. So that could have been the reason why they were excited, but that wasn't it. The leap for joy was a response to the greeting that contained the knowledge of who Jesus is. Jesus hadn't performed any miracles yet. He hadn't died because he wasn't even born. He is the Messiah, and that was enough. His arrival in that room was enough to cause joy to spring forth. Friends, joy is a response to the good news that Jesus has come. A leap for joy took place simply because Jesus entered the room and someone shared the good news. Now, there are many factors that will try to distract us from that joy of, and disconnect us from the joy of Jesus in this time. Again, we just mentioned how weird things are right now with COVID surging again, and uh, that can definitely be a joy killer. There's also the depression, and the, the times are getting dark earlier, and it's cold outside, and sometimes we feel that same darkness and coldness in our heart. For many, the thought, the thought of gathering with family is not their concept of a holly jolly Christmas, <laughs> and lacking direction or intense decisions can also be a burden on our shoulders. All of these are real and very present cases of joy that can be pushed into the background. 
but there is the scripture that we see that the one enemy of joy that keeps creeping up inside of all of us from time to time and it sucks the joy out of our heart before it even has time to develop. And that enemy of joy is doubt. Doubt causes us to question, God, are you really willing to be that good to me? Are you willing to be that good? Like, I've heard of what you've done for others, but I haven't seen that degree of, of, of love showing up in my own life. Or perhaps you could be facing an impossible situation that you just don't quite seem to find your way out of. Zechariah heard this incredible promise from God about being able to finally have a son. And his response was, but I'm so old and my, my wife is far beyond her prime for that. I, I just don't know how this can be possible and I'd rather not get my hopes up and risk losing my joy. The consequence of that was that he was unable to speak until his child was born. He was unable to fully express the joy of the season. He couldn't tell his friends. He couldn't scream it from the rooftop. He couldn't sing praises. He had no voice because he didn't get his hopes up, and he doubted about God's promise to him. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage us today that it's okay to get our hopes up. We are not the authors and controllers of time and circumstance, so we can't get our hopes up in being able to control all of our issues before they get to us. We don't have the promise of living problem-free lives on earth, so we can't get our hopes up in that. We don't have the promise of tons of money or the perfect possessions or smooth sailing relationships, so we can't place our joy and our hope in that either. We can only get our hopes up in the promise that God fulfilled in sending his son Jesus Christ to us so that we can be reconciled individually and restored unanimously. We're in a time where we hear this cliche phrase of a Christmas miracle. I want to remind somebody that we have the kind of loving father that is able to make impossible things possible. It's not some prosperity punchline. It's a demonstrated scriptural fact. God sent the angel Gabriel to an elderly man whose wife was an elderly woman who could bear no children. She bore a son, John the Baptist. The impossible was done. Then God sent the same angel to a virgin who would bear a son, Jesus. The impossible was done here as well. And even in their old age, God had a distinct purpose for Elizabeth and Zechariah in the coming of the Savior. It didn't matter the degree of impossibility. Elizabeth and Zechariah assumed that it probably just wasn't going to happen at that point in life. Their, their best moments in life had just passed us by. We're old and forgotten. Like, we're just going to let the young bucks take it on. Not so. Our entire span of life is fertile ground for God's purpose and the gospel to be made manifest. The real question is, how will I respond when God speaks to me? How will I respond to the good news that Jesus is sending? How will I share that good news with others? I encourage you today not to let doubt be what suffocates and hinder your joy this season. If, yourself, if you find yourself struggling to lean into the joy of Christ, I encourage you to retrace the steps of your heart and mind to see where you expected your joy to come from. If you find it at a destination that is anything other than the knowledge of who Jesus is, 
and what he did for you and how faith in Christ means that you're one of his own children, then I encourage you to pray and ask God to redirect your attention back to Jesus and restore the joy of your salvation. When we're able to backtrack our way to joy, there are a number of things that can happen as a result. For today, we're only going to talk about two of those resulting factors. We're talking about a joy that leads to expression and a joy that leads to witness. Let's go back to verse 39 for a joy that leads to expression. It says, At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth's joy was not quiet and contained. It was loud, like me. (laughs) The joy that she felt on the inside of her flowed to her expression on the outside. Our joy in Jesus leads us to express that joy to the world around us. And she wasn't just loud about any old thing. She was loud about the fact that Jesus had shown up. We have the same invitation and opportunity to express our joy in Christ at various opportunities. One of the most beautiful opportunities to express your joy in Christ is right here in the worship environment. We gather each week, whether it's here in person or whether you're tuning in online virtually, and we gather to worship our Savior. In this space, We have the invitation to worship God with our fullness of our mind, where we can consciously meditate and reflect on the love of God and get into that deep space of of deep meditation and peace and stillness and silence. And we also have the invitation, uh, sorry, but many of us find comfort here because it's deep and personal. Right? Those contemplative spaces, um, it draws little attention to ourselves. It's safer. It's more comfortable to be here. And it's a judgment-free zone because just me and Jesus in my own mind, just here, nobody else, we're just here. We're here. We're vibing. But today, as someone that's a part of the Leaping for Joy committee, <laughs> I want to invite you to step outside that comfort zone and think about what it could look like to express your joy outwardly and externally whether it be from the clapping of our hands or the raising of our hands, or maybe it's singing aloud or something that is a little bit more outward so that that inward joy, that inward reflection materializes externally. Our Savior expressed his love for us by sacrificing his comfort. And our joyful response can be us sacrificing our comfort and worshiping with the expression of external gladness. And this expression of joy is an outward display of our knowledge of the good news. It bears witness to others that there is a joy to be had and lived, which leads me to my second point. Joy leads to witness. In verse 44, it reads, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, there are certain sounds that as soon as they reach our ears, 
it causes us to have a reaction. Have you ever not really felt like cooking? You were tired and you were just kind of like, you know what, I'm going to go home. We pull up on our smartphone, hit Grubhub, hit DoorDash. We punch in some food that we ain't got no business eating. And we, sit, we hit send and we wait. We anticipate. We look forward. And there's something about the sound of that buzzer going off that once it reaches our ears, we leap for joy up off that couch, about the chair, and run for the door and let that delivery man in because they have exactly what it is that you've been waiting for. I know I'm not alone. Am I alone? I know y'all know what I'm talking about. I am a little bit too uh, excited once I hear that, that doorbell ring. So Elizabeth, for Elizabeth, joy was a response to hearing something great. In this case, it was a greeting. We don't know exactly what that greeting was, but based upon Elizabeth's response and what she said to Mary in response, we may suspect that Mary greeted Elizabeth with some understanding that she was bearing the Messiah who was to come, or the good news, either that or preceded Mary's arrival. Now, whatever the case may be, Mary's joy led to her witness, which led to Elizabeth's joy and the leap in her belly. Then Elizabeth returns the favor and encourages Mary in joy as she was encouraged by Mary's extraordinary faith. When we have an understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ, it leads us to a joy that must be shared with others. Imagine all the people around the world, in our homes, in our community right here in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, that are hurting because their joy is found in fleeting things. Our witness to them can be uh, the help that helps them to reroute their expectations to Jesus Christ, where unending joy can be found. So I want to challenge everyone in here today who calls Jesus their Savior. If you feel no desire to share the good news with anyone, I challenge you to meditate on where your life would be without Jesus. I told you where my life was, and I don't know where I would be if Jesus did not find me and show up for me. So I want you to think about that. Where would I be without Jesus? And it may lead you to a deep gratitude that expresses itself in joy. Now think about all the people around you, all the lives, all the communities, all the spaces that could be transformed with the knowledge of the saving grace that you have found. Let that joy overflow into the hearts of others. So Christmas is on Saturday. Why should, we have Christmas, why should we have joy this Christmas season in life with all the pain and brokenness in the world, with all the justice, injustice and misfortune, with all the lack, depression, and despair? Joy is possible because it's not based upon our circumstances, feelings, or possessions, or any other factor that can be changed. True joy flows from the truth of Jesus Christ showing up for you to die for you, and that none of those negative factors have the power to reverse or diminish the powerful truth of what Christ has done for us. Who, what, when, where, why do we have joy? We have joy because of who Jesus is. Jesus is God's son, his loving response to our sin that separated us from him. He died on the cross so that the power of this sad, broken world would be subdued forever.
We have joy because of what Jesus is, our Savior, the Prince of Peace, the one who redeemed us, our reuniter, the middleman, the bullet taker, and the way maker. We have joy because of where Jesus is. He was here right on earth living this painful life that we lived, and he knows exactly what we've experienced, and he's not too far removed from our reality. And now he's seating at the right hand of Father, making intercession for us, which basically means every prayer that we pray, he sends it directly to the Father's ears. And he's present with us now through the Holy Spirit so that we can have the power of joy living on the inside of us as believers. We have joy because of when Jesus is. Jesus is now actively with us on earth through the Holy Spirit and actively in heaven communicating our prayers to the Father. And one day he'll be with us again to initiate a reunion of all believers and to create a new heaven and new earth. And last, but most certainly not least, we have joy this Christmas season because of why Jesus is. And it's summed up perfectly in Ephesians, the second chapter, verses four through five. It says this, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Family, by grace, we have joy. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. Because of Jesus, we have joy. Because of Jesus, the things that are trying to separate us from joy are diminished in power because they cannot compare to the truth of who you are and what you've done. Lord, I pray for every individual that is here or tuning in online that is having a hard time tapping into that joy this season. Lord, I pray that you enter their room and cause a leap to happen within their soul, within their heart, a leap that reminds them of who you are in the face of their adversity, a leap that reminds them of what you are able to do yet and still, a leap that reminds them of your miraculous power and draws them near to you. I pray for a joy to rise up to them that causes it to overflow into outward expression. I pray for a joy to rise up in us that allows us to go out into the world and be witnesses of the true and good news of Jesus Christ. And I pray right now that your joy be long-lasting and deeply ingrained. In Jesus' name, amen.